welcome back to a very, very, very special inaugural episode of our coverage of Star Trek Strange New World Season 2 and Legion of Superheroes Season 2. But this week we are just talking about Legion of Superheroes. We're talking about as a little prelude, the first six issues of the Legion of Superheroes tie-in comic, Legion of Superheroes in the 31st Century. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. We are Uncanny Treks. How the hell are you doing tonight, Matt? Doing pretty well, Bob. I had to read some Legion of Superheroes. Felt like it's been forever since we talked about Legion of Superheroes. It's really only been, what, a year? It's been a year. It's been a year. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. For listeners who are just joining us, we covered uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds uh, back when it was out last year. And, you know, it's kind of the gimmick of the show. We like to usually compare it with something. Not always, but usually. And so we looked at uh, the Legion of Superheroes cartoon from the aughts, you know, which on one hand is a strange choice, admittedly. On the other, you know, Bob likes the Legion of Superheroes. He wants to make Matt experience the Legion of Superheroes. And there are interesting commonalities between the kind of utopian futures of Star Trek and the Legion. So, you know, we went for it. Yeah, and I've, I've grown to actually enjoy the Legion of Superheroes, Bob. So thanks for exposing me to these characters that I've <laughs> I've known existed, but didn't really give two shits about. Yeah, yeah. Neither of us were uh, were uh, Legion kids as kids. I, I didn't get into the Legion until maybe about like five, eight years ago, something like that. So as a kind of prelude, and also I was kind of worried that you wouldn't remember who the Legion were at all <laughs> after a year because uh, we're old men and our memories aren't what they were. We thought it might be nice to look at the uh, first uh, few tie-in issues of the series. Okay, so the timeline on these is a little interesting. So issue number one is basically just an alternate view of the pilot of the cartoon. And then issue number two takes place right after episode number two of the cartoon, which, is, as, as you may or may not remember, Matt, is when Timberwolf joins the Legion, whereas, you know, the pilots where Superboy joins the Legion. Right. Yeah. And then number three takes place after episode nine, which episode nine introduces the Legion of Substitute Heroes. And then the, the subs are in number three. And then issues number four through 16 all take place between season one and season two. And we're going to look at four through six this time. And then next time I thought we'd just kind of do a marathon episode and look at seven through 16 to kind of catch us up to season two, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So we'll yeah, cover yeah. all the issues though, correct? Well, there's uh, four more. There's issues 17 through 20, which take place after season two. The writer just thought he would do a season three because he didn't know if the cartoon was going to get renewed. Oh, okay. It turned out to not get renewed, but it only he only got to do he only got to do four issues post. So after we wrap up season two this summer, I figure we should just go ahead and do those last four episodes. You know? Yeah, that makes or last sense. Last four issues. Yeah, yeah. So, so Bob, this, let's let's compare this for a second. What's interesting yeah. about these is that when you look at Young Justice, Young Justice has the tie-in comics as well, and on our Patreon exclusive podcast, X Men ninety seven versus Young Justice. We we reviewed those issues, and what I love about those is that they they kind of expand on everything that's already been discussed in the episodes. And with what you just did here, where you took us through like where each episode you know falls in within each issue, do you feel like it's the same here, or do you feel like this is just more like filler? I think it's closer to being filler without totally being filler. I mean, part of it, I think, is just that age 
range and the eight, the target audience for the two cartoons. Right. Like, I feel like Young Justice is maybe ain't like, you know, obviously, like kids are supposed to like it no matter what. But I feel like it's more aimed at like kids, like maybe age 10 to 12. Would you agree with that? Yeah, because you have to follow along week to week. You can't just watch like I mean, you could watch one episode out of context, but you're going to miss huge plot points. Yeah, although they, the episodes do tend to be like self-contained enough on their own terms in some ways, but there are a lot of ongoing plots that are just going to glide right over you. Right. And because it's a really tight continuity, like continuity is very important for those Young Justice comics, and they're like very kind of targeted, you know, to fit in the, the you know, to fit in the narrow cracks between episodes in Young Justice. Whereas with the Legion show, I feel like it's more aimed at kids like maybe age six to eight. Does that feel about right for you? Yeah. When I was reading through it, I was like, yeah, this is probably just this would be really great if I was like watching this as like, you know, an eight year old. <laughs> like watch, I would like yeah. to have just continuing adventures of these heroes, but nothing that's like detrimental or going to if, if I don't read this, I'm going to miss out on something in the actual show. Yeah, so there's really not that much continuity in season one of the Legion cartoon, right? Like all the Legion episodes, with the exception of the two part finale, are pretty much just you could watch them in any order. Would right. really matter that much, right? And the 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 comics tend to reflect that as well. I think they're aimed at the similar the similar age group, and they the even though you know. I and I got this chronology from the Cosmic Teams website, which is a great website that has excellent resources on the Legion. If anybody needs excellent resources on the Legion, it's got an excellent timeline. But so you can clearly like do the continuity and painstaking detail. But also, it's not really, strictly speaking, necessary to enjoy these comics, which are aimed at a younger audience and are not very continuity heavy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. These comics are they're more fun as far as just like reading and going along with them and what's happening kind of like, I didn't have to think as much as I did with the young justice ones. Cause the young justice, I was looking for Easter eggs more. So I'd like yeah, shit that was connected to the yeah. actual episodes and things. Yeah. So no, that makes sense. That makes sense. And one thing to think about too, though, is season two does get a little bit darker and a little bit more serialized. So the, you know, the, the show we watched last summer is not exactly going to be the show we're going to watch this summer, if that makes sense. Oh, OK. And I honestly can't remember much. You know, we said we have four four issues that we'll look at the look at at the end of the summer that take place after season two. And I honestly don't remember anything about them. I've read them, but I just they just didn't stick. So I don't know if they get much darker or if they keep this kind of same tone. One thing that is a kind of harbinger of things to come. Did you like, and we'll get to it in great detail, but did you like the green lantern issue, which is the the last issue we're talking about today? Issue number six. I was, I was interested to see their take on the green lanterns. I didn't have a problem with it, but I mean, it wasn't anything like spectacular. So from my, from my admittedly somewhat sketchy memories of the rest of the series, that that Green Lantern issue is going to really set the tone for a lot of the issues to come. A lot of them are going to deal with like kind of you see like elements of DC continuity in the 31st century in a very kid friendly way. 
Oh, okay. So like, they're going to revisit like things that would have been in DC's past, but with like updated for the future, kind of like they do with the Green Lantern here. How you have this exactly. conglomeration exactly. of Green, uh, uh, Hal Jordan and Guy Gardner. Yeah, which, yeah. We'll we'll, 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 we'll talk about Jordana Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty. From my memory, that's really where like the issues, the issues like seven through sixteen. Are, are going to really take us kind of reminds me of what Batman Beyond did with their future stuff, because they did have some like newer things that were introduced, but they also had a lot of episodes that just went back to the old villains, but updated versions of those villains or updated redesigned concepts, you know, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, like for example, Bane. Okay. Yeah. There was an episode where like the legit Bane was on it and he was addicted to the drug and he, it turned out to be this old man that just had to be constantly fed venom. You know, he was weak and couldn't do anything. And it's also just kind of like, what does venom look like in the Batman beyond future? Right. But at the same time, you've got like people on the street that are like injecting it into him through patches. So Mm. it's like, (laughs) it's the same idea. You know what I mean? Like same, like you're a futurized version of these characters or no, that makes sense. And especially the, what Batman beyond did with, they call it, do they call it the justice league unlimited? Is that what they call it? You have like old school, you have like old static shock on it with like, yeah. Long Shazam. dude. Yeah. I think they did even more of that in the Batman beyond comics. Oh yeah. The Batman beyond comics took it to the next level. Which I, I I do want to read those someday, and I actually also want to watch Batman Beyond, you know, fully someday. But I haven't done either yet. Batman right. Beyond's a, f- a fun watch through, but we'll get to yeah. that another day. Let's jump into these comics. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe the, in in the future, if we ever if we exhaust uh, the original Batman animated series, there's always Batman Beyond, I suppose. So yeah, let, like you said, let's issue as yesterday's hero. It's written by Jay Torres, who's not going to be the writer for everything, but is going to be the writer, I think, for the majority of these 20 issues that we cover this summer. And then uh, the penciler is China Cluxton, who I have to admit I, I'm not familiar with. And do you want to walk us through the plot of uh, issue number one, Yesterday's Hero? Sure. So right after the pile of the cartoon, we see the Legionnaires first impressions of Superboy as they each retell the events of the pilot from their perspective. And so this was a little confusing for you at first, right, Matt? I was extremely confusing. I didn't know what the this style that they do here with the office thing where they're having like they're talking to an invisible cameraman. It's yeah, not, yeah. It's not conducive to like comic book writing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really bad storytelling choice for comic books, I feel like. It is. Yeah. Yeah, I was fine with the first panel, like the first panel was fine. But then they start going into this thing where like somebody said something bad. I didn't realize there was supposed to be this uh, um, omniscient person watching them like they're 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 kind of breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, not omniscient, but necessarily omniscient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, They're kind of breaking the fourth wall, though, but they're kind of not. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like if you like the documentary format, which for like, you know, for like The Office and didn't Parks and Rec do it, too? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But yeah. comic books, well, like, no. I don't I don't love it in I don't love it in TV either, to be honest. But at least in TV, like the characters rarely look like right into the camera like that. And when they do, like 
it, we're familiar enough with the documentary format. It makes sense, but it doesn't work so well in comics because characters always look at the camera, not always, but very often look at the camera and it doesn't mean they're looking at you. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just, it, it's just a very different medium than TV. And so it's, yeah, you don't, you don't go there, but yeah, because of the office, it was really popular in the late arts to do this in comics. Um, have you, have you ever seen it done in comics before? Uh, yes, I feel like we've read a couple of things like, um, shit. I guess Tom we? King does it from time to time. Yes, like Tom King does. Did it. Yes, yes, Heroes in Crisis. I feel like there's something we've read recently that they did it a lot in. Do they do it? They don't do it in the X-Men stuff, right? No. No, pretty sure no. No, not in the X-Men. I remember it, but they no. would have been, you know, Blue Beetle was coming out at about the same time as this comic, so... Well, I don't know. I'll have to think about it. The other the, I mean, the other big example I know is the so the first the first version of the Guardians of the Galaxy, which would become the movie Guardians of the Galaxy, oh. which is not to say the first Guardians of the Galaxy, because that's a different thing. But the the first version of the team that would become the movie team for Guardians of the Galaxy, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning did a run on them in uh, in the late aughts that did this. And it's it's weird because it's like on the one hand, it's like a great because like it establishes, you know, those it establishes that team, which then got turned into that trilogy, which is hugely successful. Like it's you know, it's probably Marvel's biggest th- thing of taking like obscure nothing characters and making them like super famous. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Guarding the galaxy for sure. Yeah. So in that sense, one. like Abnett and Lanning are brilliant. They came up with that. It, you know, they came up with this team that had this impact, like it's, you know, like kudos to them. And I, I like them as writers. But on the other hand, it's kind of a terrible run because it's it has that office gimmick to it, which, you know, you, you and I don't like in comics usually. And it's also just so mired, like in crossovers, like I, when I I tried to read it or I read it before the first Guardians movie came out and I just didn't get what's going on because there was so much so much other like Marvel cosmic crossover business. And like every story was like a tie in to a crossover. So it's like really historically important, but it's also kind of bad. You know, that happens to a lot of runs. I feel like even recently, like the amazing Spider-Man run that I'm, I'm that's currently going, it got crossed over into this other Spider-Man big thing they're doing and just completely derail the story. So, so are you caught up on that run? Yeah. I, I, I only know of what I'm seeing about it from outrage line, but it sounds like they basically did a weird plot where like Mary Jane is stuck in an alternate dimension, marries a dude. And then they also just killed Miss Marvel Kamala Khan for some reason. <laughs> Yes, Bob. <laughs> yeah, it, it had a better plot going than that. <laughs> it just got derailed when they they introduced the uh, the Ben Riley's new character, uh, Scarlet, the new Scarlet Spider or whatever, whatever his name. He's got some emo name. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Kane or something like that. Oh, he's the new Kane. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want I don't want to jump down like because Zeb Well is writing it and Zeb Wells is Hellion Hellion's comic from a couple years ago is like really good. It's one of the best X-Men comics in the past 20 years. I'd say it's really good. It's like Suicide Squad with the X-Men, but so much better than that, that that just sounds. And so I don't want to I want to like keep an open mind and not be like 
oh, this sounds stupid. But yeah, from all I hear, I kind of have to just be like, oh, that does sound kind of stupid. Yeah, I mean, I was sucked in at the beginning. It was really, really good. And then there was a crossover piece that just threw me completely off. And then they kind of tried to come back. And it just yeah, hasn't. I heard a lot on. of other praise for early in the run. And then. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's real. That's why I started reading is like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Um, but yeah, that that death does come out of nowhere. And it's <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> like really weird yeah weird. it's they're, they're doing like this now like then they're advertising like the the tie-in comic at the end of it too like you know the funeral for a friend type shit you know the yeah funeral for i saw people getting angry online and you know not 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 in a wrong way it's just kind of funny but it was just like all the people mourning for kamala Khan. <laughs> it was like the fantastic four and it was just like what connection do they have to her like she was on a team with like other younger heroes should yeah. show like <laughs> the younger heroes being sad <laughs> yeah mourning for kamala's death that's i think that's the name of it actually you're mourning for kamala oh, yeah all right. Yeah. One thing I want to point out, Bob, about this issue, though, of yesterday's uh-huh. hero. Yeah, so one, get, one, get, get us back on uh, issue number one, Legion of Superheroes. In the one huge observation I did make. I know that originally you referred to you refer to him as Superboy. OK, and yes. I get that. And it should be. He should be Superboy at this point. He career. should be Superboy. Yes, yes. But, you know, do the lawsuits and stuff. The lawsuit didn't really get figured out, I think, until 2008. So that's one of the reasons that they call him Superman here. Yeah, they call him Superman in the cartoon and the comic. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, they call him that. But then also what was interesting is on like one of the last pages of the issue, Saturn Girl is talking about him and she specifically says this. And this this is like, oh, I see what they did here. Saturn Girl says we were asking a mild mannered farm boy, the newest copy boy at the Daily Planet, who was hiding these incredible superpowers. To quick change into the man of steel. You know why they put that there, right? Like that was like their we're making sure that people know this is Superman, not Superboy, because he's already working at the Daily Planet. Yeah, although I, I'm not gonna go back and rewatch the pilot, but I I think that I almost wonder if that's like a change. Cause I think in the pilot he's he's about to move to Metropolis, I guess to become the new copy boy. Although right. I don't know if they actually say that, but yeah, so they are putting it in they are putting it in like, oh, he's Superman, he's going to Metropolis, but it's like they still get him in Smallville, you know? Right. Yeah, they, they get him in Smallville. Like he's fixing he's like he's making sure Ferris will doesn't fall over and shit. Yeah. But he's wearing the uh I mean he's kinda wearing like what I would expect like college Clark Kent to wear, so yeah, yeah. There was there was yeah. an obvious fine line they could cross, and they made sure yeah. they didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the legal wrangling of yeah. that is is pretty funny. The only thing I really had to say about issue number one, other than the office style like talk at the camera, was I just thought it was a kind of funny joke that Lightning Lad doesn't know what a locomotive is, a locomotive <laughs> is. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, they don't have trains in the. 31st century. I would hope they have trains. I just, they would hope they bear no resemblance to uh, <laughs> locomotives. <laughs> so uh, moving on to issue number two, first flight here, we have Jay Torres, still the writer. Torres uh, does a lot of like writing for like DC young adult, DC kids stuff at this time. Uh, he did some other stuff. Hanford green is the penciler. I don't know know him at all matt he uh, he did a power man and iron fist series maybe about five years ago with writer david walker like i dearly love green's artwork yeah i mean this this issue looks amazing yeah yeah green's great i think he's uh from south carolina too 
Yeah, I mean, it's really well. You can tell there's a, just the art style just looks awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very cartoonish, very lively. I think we're just going to get him for one more issue after number two, but it's it's nice to have him here. Do you want to walk us through the plot of uh, number two, First Flight, Matt? Sure. So right after the second episode of the cartoon where Timberwolf joins the Legion, we see him get sick during his first battle in the Legion as lunar leeches attack the cruiser. But he later proves himself. <laughs> so this gives us an important motif of character being sick, which will continue throughout <laughs> at least these six issues. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't have much to say about this issue. Did anything really uh, stick out to you, Matt? No, I mean, not really. I was glad to see Timberwolf again because I don't feel like I feel like we didn't get enough of him in the cartoon. Yeah, well, and you're not we're we're not really going to get a whole lot of him in this at least in these six issues. We get a lot of him here and a fair amount of him in number six, but other than that, he he kind of drops in a similar way to how he kind of dropped out of season one of the cartoon. It felt like yeah, like his whole like motif is just like to tear shit up. You know, that's like yeah, his whole yeah. And be scary looking. They make such a big deal, thing, you know, like no, no, or other than Superboy, it's a whole, he's not at all in the spotlight. It's a kind of interesting choices. Yeah, it's different. But I, I mean, I, I kind of wish he would have had more of a, a part in the, sh- in the actual show. Yeah. Does he yeah, ever same. evolve further from like his current form? Like he's like a wolf and he, because he kind of alludes to it. He talks about how like he may still keep becoming a monster. And, other in other comics, he does sometimes have different like in the in the main comics, he sometimes has different forms depending on the continuity. Yeah. But as far as I know, I think I watched this cartoon like in 2015, 2016. So it was definitely pre COVID when I watched this cartoon. So my memories okay. of it are not, are not super reliable all, always. Did you did you really get a heavy sense there and like girl wolverine cyclops triangle with timberwolf saturn girl and lightning lad in this issue yeah kind of i mean later on you see you thought there's like a Superboy lightning lad saturn girl thing yeah it's almost like they decided to switch it out like they were initially having timberwolf play the role of wolverine and then they were like no nah, no nah, we would be a better love triangle if it were Superboy saturn girl and lightning lad <laughs> yeah yeah the important thing is Lightning Lad has to be jealous, possessive, and angry. That's the important thing. Every, everything else is negotiable. <laughs> All right, boss. All let's right. move on to issue three. Powers that were. Powers that were. So uh, Sanford Green still uh, drawing this one, but we have a we have a guest writer, uh, Scott Beatty. I'm assuming you're familiar with Scott Beatty, Matt, and you yeah. perhaps remember him fondly from Batgirl Year One, but perhaps do not remember <laughs> him fondly from the Gotham Knights arc where uh, we find out that Bane might be Batman's half brother. Yeah, I do remember that. That was God. That was an awful comic. Yeah, it's really bad. Gotham Knights, it's really bad. Ugh. But Batgirl Year One, really good, man. Really good. Yeah, yeah. Batgirl Year One was good. All right, Bob. So the plot of this one, the Coons attack right when Infectious lasts and capacitates all the Legionnaires as a part of her tryout. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, Matt, we get to see the subs again, the Legion of Substitute Heroes. Did you remember them at all from the show? Were you happy to see them again? Oh, yeah. I just couldn't remember what every one of them does. That's the problem with these. Like, you see their costumes. You try to put two and two together. I mean, yeah. one was like, there's like an ice guy, polar boy, polar boy. <laughs> there's one that shoots, uh, there's porky or porcupine, Por- porcupine Por- Pete, I believe is his name. Yeah. Porcupine Pete. There's double header. It's just a dude with two heads. 
<laughs> and then there's uh there's stone there's the stone guy stone boy stone boy he's just made of stone right like he can just yeah, harden yeah. himself what yeah. did they throw at him in that picture is it a fish oh, i i would have to open it up to oh see. sorry i think it's a fish but then of course we get the best the best character ever bob infectious, infectious less. less yeah yeah so all the boys in the legion are really hot for uh, infectious lass uh do you do, does this make sense to you or are you a little perplexed man well, Bob, there it specifically tells you that she puts out a, a love, a love disease or something. They're love sick. Uh, they're love sick. Lo- what they're love good, sick. It's a good pun, Matt. It's a good pun. <laughs> have you uh, read Doctor Thirteen, or have you gotten far enough in Doctor Thirteen where Infectious Lass shows up? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she's, she's a great it, character in that. Yeah, yeah. Any thoughts on her here as opposed to in the Doctor Thirteen series? I mean, not really. No, I mean, it's just they're a little different. She's what I remember, though, differently, though, is in the OK, in the episodes, she really only like she could make people sick. Yeah. Like in this is like much more specific about like what she can do. Like she would just give people colds here. She's like <laughs> here. She's like giving them like crazy ass diseases. Yeah, yeah, it's more, more a lot more obscure diseases. <laughs> yeah. It also, I, I, I haven't read the Doctor Thirteen in years. You know, I'll, I'll obviously read it before we talk about it, but I haven't read it in years. But in my sense, in that, it was like she was like it wasn't played as like like they weren't leaning into the gimmick with her as hard as they are here. Like here, like Green and uh, Scott Beatty are just like completely leaning into the gimmick as much as they can about her being, uh, you know, her having all these like sicknesses around her and like her, you know, just her visuals really, really playing with. Yeah, she's like in this comic, her powers are I felt they've been taking up a huge notch to where it's almost like it's like ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's real fun. It's real yeah. fun. So Matt, did the, uh, the coons remind you of anyone? They're like the Klingons. Yeah, that's it, Matt. That's it. That's <laughs> what I was uh, asking. They actually, in fairness, they predate the Klingons by a oh, couple wow. of years, I believe. But yeah. I think it's one of those, they, they weren't like, there wasn't that much detail about the coons in the, you know, the early silver age comics. Or I guess the, they weren't in the early, they were like in the mid 60s Silver Age comics. There there wasn't that much detail about them. And I think like retroactively, they've just come to more and more resemble the Klingons. Yeah, they're just like a warrior race. They're scary looking, very yeah. like big on conflict and confrontation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They do some early, they do some interesting stuff with the Coons in the early 90s. Where like they have some Kundish legionnaires, like you know, the who join like the Legion as like part of an exchange program. And that was like really neat, but I don't know, they haven't since then I don't think they've really ever followed up on it or have developed Kund culture. Okay. So I see a fish peeing on Stone Boy. That's what it is, yeah. That's so I couldn't figure out what was going on there. I think it's like a, a alien bird fish. And so it's like, <laughs> like, like birds do on statues. They, you know, they tend to poop on the statues. Well, in the 31st century, you don't need fucking wings to fly. You can just be a fish. Fish sort of has wings. I mean, it sort of does, sort of doesn't. Very confusing. Very confusing. <laughs> See, Bob, you understand what I have? I'm having trouble with this comic. It's meant for like a six year old and I can't like follow. <laughs> <laughs> just can't get into the mom six year old. It's just totally yeah. inaccessible to you. Sure, sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> Shall we jump ahead to issue number four, higher ed? Sure, Bob. Yeah, so Kristen Boylan and Steve Oy are our writer-artist team. I don't know either of them. Christian Boylan is apparently like a TV writer and is like writes for some contemporary like Marvel DC stuff. Like I think she wrote for like cloak and dagger. Well, the plot of this Bob is after screwing up in a mission to stop the fatal five brainy Fierce's intelligence is degrading. So he returns to Kolu to retake his aptitude and intelligence test. This was some Vulcan shit, Bob. It was some Vulcan stuff, Matt. Did uh, you wish your, that your education had begun in, in utro? I oh, think that's yeah. uh, the best place to start schooling. I think it probably is the best place. No real outside interference other than your, whatever your mom's smoking. Is, it, is that going to be your new propose your new proposal and your education admin? Job? It's like, okay, here's how we begin the the education. Yeah, but my thing is the microchip stuff. Like, I would like to just like put the information they need on a microchip and just like put it in their brain and then just like upload the new data when they need it. <laughs> <laughs> you're saying that you're going to show with like your education machine and you're just going to hook it up to the, the bellies of all the expectant mothers and just start downloading the information into the kids. Exactly. Then they just come out knowing all that stuff and then you don't have to worry about it's, it's it just completely eliminates all of our jobs. <laughs> but Matt, what if somebody who's a feeds corrupted information to the kids uses that corrupted information to trick them? Bob, you know, it's not going to happen. What's going to happen is what if you're not rich enough to purchase the really good microchip (laughs) with all the really good shit on it? And the poor people can only afford the basic microchip that just gives you like a sixth grade reading level. (laughs) So it goes. So it goes. (laughs) Shall we shall we jump ahead to issue number five, Matt? Sure, Bob. So in issue number five, this is a lightning strikes. We have Jay Torres back on writing and who pencils our last two issues. So what happens in the plot of issue number five? All right. So Superboy beats lightning lad in a maze race, horse stretch race, darts, go fish, eating contest, cooking contest, and rock, paper, scissors, all of which humiliation gives humiliation gives Emerald Empress an easy time in possessing Lightning Lad. Yeah. What was your favorite uh, contest that Superboy dominated Lightning Lad at, Matt? I like legit laughed out loud at like the cooking contest. It was cracking me up. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> that was good. I, I really liked the horse stretch, the, you know, the horse ostrich hybrids. Yeah. This, this, this made me laugh. I got it. <laughs> Did you uh, catch a matter eater lad on a talking billboard as lightning lad was sulking around in the city, Matt? I did not. No, I'm going to have to go back and look at it now. Do you remember in the Olympics episode in season one? Do you, do you? I think it was one of the ones you rather disliked, but there was like the. Yeah, the I remember matter eater lad because that was his whole that was his whole thing. He just eats shit. Yeah. Yeah. He was a contestant. Oh, OK. Yeah, he is there. Oh, wow. I did not even catch that the first time. That's pretty neat. See, that's that's why you pay the big bucks, man. Yeah. You catch oh. uh you catch Fishbird shitting on Stone Boy. I catch Matter Eater Lad on the billboard for you. You know, <laughs> it's, re- it's reciprocal. It's symbiotic. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Any other, anything else stand out to you about uh Superboy's just utter domination and humiliation of Lightning Lad? I mean, it was a really fun issue, but here's where you get the idea that, you know, like this is definitely an issue where Lightning Lad and Superboy were kind of in competition to impress Saturn Girl. 
Yeah, uh, it, it's almost like, I mean, on one hand, it makes sense that Superboy would dominate Lightning Lad because he's Superboy. But imagine if it were Timberwolf dominating Lightning Lad in all of these contests. I think that would be even funnier in some way. Right? Yeah. Like Timberwolf is just randomly good at cooking, even though he lived alone on a monster planet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, shall we move on to the big climax, Matt? The big crisis, the yeah, big, uh, the, the big the event crisis. of uh, of this trade. <laughs> so, Bob, issue six: the Legion and the Green Lantern Corps sometimes have tension in the long history of both, but it breaks out into war as Teen Lantern leads the Green Lantern Corps to attack the Earth headquarters of the Legion. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I'm I'm vague. Occasionally comes up in prior league comics that there's some tension of like Green Lanterns not being allowed on Earth, things like that in the 31st century. Well, they must have done something stupid. Yeah, I, I don't know how much it's ever really spelled out, but it's it's sometimes a plot element there. So Matt, we get a huge, huge splash page in Lanterns on page eight. Who was your favorite? Who was your favorite Lantern character design on page eight? Uh, probably the one with the broccoli head. <laughs> you fan fan of the broccoli? <laughs> yeah, there's a broccoli head guy. I think that is the one that they like led the genocide against, if I remember correctly. Yes, that was the Marvel, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. just says like an Easter egg. Yeah. Of course, you know, you don't. It doesn't have to be. It could just be that like uh, Alex Sarah was like, yeah, I like broccoli. Here's a here's a broccoli yeah. lantern lantern. Yeah, I, I think I'll be a very basic bitch in my choice and just. Yeah, the, the, the panda bear guy is kind of interesting. Yeah, we, we find out later that uh, he's like Teen Lantern's big sidekick and he gets a name. I think he's the only other lantern besides Teen Lantern to get a name. But uh, you know what? I, I don't know his name and he doesn't have to be important. I just think he's cute. He's also infatuated with Superboy. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot of a lot of love in the air in this issue. So Jana Gardner, she's Teen Lantern, and her name is Jordana Gardner. Is that based or cringe? Matt? It's pretty cringe, Bob. You think it's pretty cringe? It's pretty damn cringe. When I saw the Jordan part, I was like, oh, wait. What? And I was like, oh, guard. Oh, fuck. And her hair's red. Oh, what did they do here? They could have just not. They could have gone with just the Gardner part. And I would have been fine. But they didn't have to call her Jordana. Like it's I, I admit that if you describe it to me, I think it's stupid yeah but as executed in this issue I, I found it sort of charming i mean it's really stupid but i found it sort of charming it's also you know hilarious that these two names would endure a thousand years right yeah it's like the 31st century <laughs> and like <laughs> apparently the gardener name has gone on for that long yeah 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 oh the, the all-important guy gardener and it's just to get, just to give the listeners an idea of what Jordana Gardner Jordana Gardner looks like just imagine like a Bratz doll but with a guy a Green Lantern outfit <laughs> I mean that's exactly it and when you say it like that it does make, yeah oh god right, to, to move on to happier things so on page 26 we get a big spread of the reinforcement legionnaires and a couple of these or at least of these we met in the at the end of season one that was Cosmic Boy but I think everybody else is new to you. They're older, they're longtime Legion characters, but I think they'd be new to you as just a watch for the cartoon. So to run them down. Hold on, hold on. First, though, the, yeah. one, the one I do recognize, those K Rock at the him. 
You mean block? Block. Tyrock. Tyrock. Yeah, sorry, not K-Rock. Tyrock. Yeah, Tyrock. There he is. Yeah, yeah. So what do you recognize Tyrock from? I can't remember. Was he on the season one? Where do I recognize it? He was in, yeah, he was in season one. He was in like one episode. He showed up and we were like, that dude's like really badass. And I want to see more of him because he screams, right? Like he's got like banshee yeah, he powers. He's got, he's got banshee yeah. powers. Yeah. He's got a cameo at the end of the first season episode, Timberwolf. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I guess that actually kind of like changes what I was saying. Cause I was saying that other than Cosmic Boy and Colossal Boy, and these were mostly new, but yeah, I think we actually did probably see most of them at the end of the ish, the episode where Timberwolf got inducted. Now that I think about it, yeah, there were a bunch of these guys, and the other guy too, the one that has like the, it kind of looks like the guy from uh, Alpha Flight with a cape. Which, which one? Oh, that's Starboy. Yeah, kind of looks like Northstar. Yeah, you're right. It does. The costume does not look like Northstar. Okay, yeah. Now, Dream Girl's power, she's able to like basically see into the future, right, with her dreams. Yeah, yeah. Through she gets predictive dreams. And there's there's very cool versions of her, like especially the the second version of the Legionnaire. Although the rock dude, he he's got kind of a neat look too. He kind of reminds me of like a Fantastic Four villain. Yeah, he is. He is. And he's he he's very much a, a 70s guy. So yeah, pr- very much created in the shadow of the thing. Unlike a lot of these characters who precede the Fantastic Four. I guess I'll give it up for Tyrock. I always like to see Tyrock. But we got a big reveal in that Starro has actually taken over the Green Lantern Corps. But these Starros are able to remain invisible on their faces. <laughs> yeah. Were you uh, were you pumped by the Starro reveal, Matt? That it all no, makes it's sense usually, to you it's now? usually always Starro, it seems like. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, because he's cool, man. He's a sentient yeah. starfish. Hard to argue with that. <laughs> So, Matt, I did have a very important question here. Do you think Cosmic Boy has the hots for Teen Lantern, or does he just have the hots for the idea of a Green Lantern on the Legion? I think he has the hots for her. He's, he's, just, got, his, he's got his arm around her. He's like, you know, he's got that look. He wants some Jordana Gardner. <laughs> Some JG. When you say it like that, man, it really does take the wind out of it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. You're welcome. I'm trying to figure out where he's. Hold on. Let's make sure there's no other. He just keeps his arm around her all the time, like every single panel. Really trying to recruit her. He wants her on the team, Matt. He wants her on the team. So I, I think the only way we're going to recover from this dwelling on Jordana Gardner is just to go to the visual of the week, Matt. What was your visual of the week? I really like the visual in the last issue of Saturn Girl kind of like using her powers to reveal the stars. There's this like shot nice. of her in the center print in the center and like it shows all the characters like her her mind is like going out. But it's like each each part is like fragmented and you see a different character being affected. It's kind of cool. I liked uh, Timberwolf tearing off a Starro with his bare teeth. I yeah, that's that, a good was, one. <laughs> that was really fun. So, uh, who is your uh, favorite character this week, Matt? My favorite character is going to go to Lightning Lad because he's just sad. Because <laughs> uh, you you just enjoy just enjoy Lightning Lad being frustrated, losing to Super repeatedly. Yeah, he always has to be number two. I didn't really like him that much in the series. Like you know, I learned a lot about him, but I didn't like him as much in the series. And now I'm just like, oh, now I understand why. Thanks, comics. I think- 
does it feel like and granted it's been a year since we saw season one but does it feel like they make him more of a loser in this in the, series oh yeah in the comics they do yes way. that's what i'm saying yeah, yeah that's what i'm yeah. saying yeah it's like now you understand why he's always being an ass because he's he's yeah. not as good as superboy because on the cartoon he's just an ass and it's not it's not as endearing but here they kind of they kind of lean into making him ridiculous and it, it's good it's justified i, found, I think i found the uh Ish, I think I found the page you were talking about with Saturn Girl is the one where like her eyes are entirely pink and yes. yeah, like the yeah her giving the pink eyes to everybody giving the pink eye to everybody else <laughs> it's great it's yeah it's infectious really less <laughs> all right so if your character of the week was Lad Matt my character of the week was Timberwolf I like that guy I like how hungry he is for Starro it's good it's good all right if I had to pick an issue of the week Bob I would either go with issue five or issue six. I really like the competition in issue five. It was just kind of funny to see what they were coming up with and, you know, how they went from doing like these like crazy feats of strength and shit to like, you know, cooking (laughs) or having a, having who can eat the most contest. And then we also get a good look at like how the fatal five can individually attack the legion, not just as a full team. So that was cool too. Seeing, uh, what's her name? Not Enchantress, but em- Emerald Empress. Emerald Empress. Yeah, Emerald Empress. And she has the Emerald Eye of Ekron with her. <laughs> yeah, that always floats around. Which is sometimes portrayed as sentient, sometimes. Like, I would love to see somebody take like a baseball bat to that eye, just like slam it out <laughs> of the sky. There's a there's a lot of eye violence in, uh, in the <laughs> comics. They're fun. They're fun. Yeah. yeah I, you know, I didn't realize it until we started talking about them, but. Number three and number five are both pretty funny, right? Like oh, yeah. I think, think thinking about them and talking about them with you, both uh, both three and five are pretty funny. The ones with Infectious Last and the one with Lightning Lad getting humiliated. The only thing that put me off to issue three, Bob, was the the way they changed was not as easy to follow. Like when they did switch powers, you had to pay very close attention to who was who and who had what. The way they did it, I, I don't. That probably could have been executed a little better. Yeah, that makes sense. And this was I think this was really early in Sanford Green's career. So like he's still, you know, like, oh, yeah, he's still learning, out, like yeah. his storytelling chops and what. Yeah, I would probably mix. Admittedly, it is like fan service BS, but I still enjoy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Six was six was good. I mean, this 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 whole series, this whole like six issue arc we've read is not like amazing by any standpoint. I, I would say it's probably it's not as good as the Young Justice comics. <laughs> But it's still entertaining and fun. I mean, there's nothing. I don't know. I, I would. On the one hand, the Young Justice comics are more consistent, but I do. There's something a little like zanier and fun. Legion comic. Like, I don't. The, I don't think the Young Justice comics were ever going to do something as relatively interesting for the for the overarching series as number six is for the Legion, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I could see that. But I mean, then again, they like to they kind of save that stuff for the show. So like, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, it's just that the Young Justice show is like so tight uh, in its continuity. That oh, there's right, just not yeah. a lot of room for the tie ins. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Like in hindsight. Yeah. Looking back on them, I think really just number one and four are kind of are kind of pretty weak in hindsight but the rest are pretty good yeah yeah i agree number one's probably the weakest in my opinion 
I uh, hope this got us back in the mood for uh, Legion of Superheroes. We'll be back next week with uh, issues number seven through 16. And then we'll be back in two weeks with uh, the first episode of Strange New Worlds and the first episode of season two, Strange New Worlds, and the first episode of Legion of Superheroes season two. We'll see you then. I am Ben Cascadia. That's Matt in the Southland. We are Uncanny Treks. Thanks for listening.